What is going on, boys and girls? And welcome into yet another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And since I did not get to talk about this a little bit earlier in the week, of course, the last time I was on with you guys was Tuesday when I sort of recapped my fantasy football drafts and talked about both of my teams as they head into the 2023 NFL regular season, which of course begins tonight as the Kansas City Chiefs welcome the Detroit Lions to Arrowhead Stadium. But since I did not since I, that's what I spent Tuesday's show talking about, I thought what I would do today is come back and talk about some of the fun happenings that took place in college football this past weekend, and there were quite a few of them. Let me give just a just brief rundown of today's show. Uh, I'm going to be Recapping week one, which of course was last week, even though there was technically a a week zero. Last week was the official week one of the college football season, I suppose. So I'm going to be talking about some of the notable takeaways from it. Um... Also going to be not really spending too much time on week two's matchups because there's really only one or two that I'm really going to be keeping my eyes on as much as I can. And at the very end of the show, I'm going to be giving some brief thoughts on the latest top 25 poll that came out from the Associated Press this this week because I do have plenty of thoughts on it. But before I get to what my thoughts are on the AP poll from this week and Week two and and uh, yada yada yada. Let let's get back into week one for a minute, shall we? Some of the fun things that happened in week one in college football this past weekend, and how and what else would I be starting this segment of the show off? by saying, what other words would I use to start off this segment of the show than the two words that I'm about to say right now? You ready? You ready? Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Coach Dion Primetime Sanders in his in his debut as the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. Wow. 
just wow, what a what a week for what a week for uh Colorado and what before I get into more into detail about Colorado, let me touch on the Pac twelve, what is soon to be formerly known as the Pac twelve. It's just a shame that the con that conference is just going to die after this season because they went a a combined thirteen and zero last week. They did not lose a game last week, and it's when you look when you when you look at that and you see. The fact that nobody in the conference lost a game last week remind you a conference that basically every not even basically every team it's pretty much at this point every team essentially has decided next year to play in different conferences it's it's almost like like they're given. Like they're like they're giving everybody a giant middle finger on the way out the door, doesn't it? But I just thought thought that was a very funny thing to take away from week one. Let me get back to Colorado and the quote quote unquote stunning upset that that a lot of people might think that this was over TCU I re- I honestly really don't think it was all that stunning because I've talked about how big of a fraud TCU was and is going back to last year I've I've actually and you guys have heard me talk about this before, I've often referred to them as as the horned frauds rather than the horned frogs, because that's obviously what they are, and that's definitely what they proved themselves to be this past Saturday afternoon. But Colorado, just wow. You know, we've heard so much about Coach Prime and all the hoopla that he brings and the fact that they've turned over about 70% of their roster from last year, I think. And Coach Prime, to to his credit, you know, he said that um, he was bringing his luggage with him to Colorado, his, his Louis Vuitton luggage with him to Colorado, and uh, it it showed out. It definitely showed out, and they got the job done on the road going into a quote-unquote hostile environment at TCU, and it was kind of funny because one of the things I can't even... I was watching a big noon kickoff on Saturday morning before this game and the Tennessee game and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even sure if they were 
talking about, I've got to throw in one little more joke about TCU. At one point, I'm not even sure if they were talking about Colorado or who they were talking about, but you could hear the TCU fans chanting, you know, overrated, overrated. And I could not help but laugh at the irony of TCU fans doing an overrated chant. I really just can't get over it. Still can't get over it. But anyway, the Louis Vuitton, I I just had to get, as I said, I just had to get one more shot in at TCU. But the Louis Vuitton luggage that Coach Prime brought with him to Colorado definitely definitely showed out. Let me get to that luggage specifically. Uh, his, his being Coach Prime's son, uh, Sh- Shador Sanders, the quarterback. What a guy. What a guy. This man goes out and finishes... Le- Let's see, 38 of 47 passing for 510 yards. I'm going to say that again. 510 yards. Four touchdowns. The Buffaloes also had four wide receivers with over over 100 yards each. Dylan Edwards, five catches, 135, three touchdowns. Travis Hunter, and you you all will, will want to remember that name as well because it's very important. Travis Hunter, 11 catches, 119 yards. Xavier Weaver, six catches, 118 yards. And Jimmy Horn Jr., 11 catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Wow, wow. just to have four guys, not, not one, not two, not three, but four guys with over 100 plus yards receiving is just phenomenal. And, of course, I'm, I brought up Travis Hunter. I said that you guys needed to remember that name. Not only did Travis Hunter make several plays on offense, keep in mind he's, he's also a two-way player. You know, he, he's carrying that over from his time at Jackson State. And people, one thing that people will remember, among other things, about Travis Hunter is that he was also a two-way player at Jackson State, obviously. He was also a very, very, very high-profile, top-tier, five-star recruit, which 
backs up the fa- is further evidence of the fact that of why he can play on both sides of the football. Played very well on both sides of the football. Actually had an interception on defense in this game against the TCU Horned Frauds. And so that's another big thing to remember about the greatness that comes with Travis Hunter. And one of the things that I've heard Deion Sanders say on FS1, which is which is for the current, for the time being, my current uh, go-to morning TV network because I cannot get access to ESPN. Thank you very much for that, by the way, Spectrum and Disney and blah, blah, blah. But Deion Sanders has basically said that Travis Hunter and Shador are going to be top draft picks, essentially. And so, so last Saturday's game against TCU is just further evidence that backs that fact up. So, just absolutely incredible showing for Colorado this past weekend. Having said that, everybody wants to hype up Colorado for obvious reasons. They are uh, number 22, I believe, in this week's AP poll. I have no issue with that. I, I do have an issue with their upcoming schedule, which after week... Three, I believe, when they play Colorado State, if I'm not mistaken, the schedule starts getting way tougher. I mean, they've got USC coming up. I believe they've got Oregon coming up in three weeks, two or three weeks. And then, and then they've got USC. And, of course, we all know what sort of prob- sorts of problems Caleb Williams creates. So, a lot of, lot of question marks about Colorado's upcoming schedule. And that's one thing to, ta- to take away from that that I have. Another thing is the, the fact that there's going to be a lot of points scored definitely in that definitely in the Oregon Colorado game but definitely in the I'm really looking ahead to the Colorado USC game as well and all of the points that Caleb Williams scores just by being Caleb Williams but anyway heck of even with all of that being said heck of a win for Coach Prime, in his Colorado debut. Let me get to the Vols for a minute, because they scored a lot of points on Saturday afternoon as well, taking on Virginia. Virginia at Nissan Stadium in 
Nashville this past weekend. But as I alluded to on a previous episode of the show when I was sort of previewing week one, I did mention that the offense could get off to a little bit of a slow start. And although they did score a touchdown on their opening drive, uh, everything kind of everything kind of fizzled out for a time after that and took a while to get the ball rolling again, so to speak, for Tennessee and Bazooka and uh, Bazooka Joe, Joe Milton, who ended up playing very, very well in the grand scheme of things. I'll get to those numbers a little bit more in just a second, but he, you know, that there's a reason why they call him Bazooka Joe. It's because of his bazooka of a arm that he has, obviously. I could go on and on about that, but I think we all know what sort of arm strength Joe Milton has. The man can throw an orange 90 yards, for goodness sake. But he, have even with his bazooka of an arm, he did miss just a couple throws on Saturday afternoon. And one of the, one of the big throws that he missed was the one to, and there's plenty of blame to go around on both sides on this play because you could argue Ramel Keaton probably should have brought it in and that would have been another six points on the on the board for Tennessee because nobody was going to be able to track down Ramel Keaton on that play. But on the other hand, Joe Milton did maybe sort of overthrow him just a hair. And that's just one of the mistakes that the Vols are just going to have to clear up as they head into Saturday's game against Austin P. But as I mentioned before, Joe Milton, once he settled down, really got into a groove and started playing well. He finished 21 of 30 through the air for 201 yards, two touchdowns. He he also ran for two more touchdowns against Virginia. But it it wasn't just him in the running game either. The Tennessee Vols also boast a three-headed monster at the running back position. Uh, Just to rattle off some of their numbers, Jalen Wright finished with 12 carries for 115 yards. He was sort of the lead back, if you will, in terms of rushing yardage. Uh, Jabari Small, very productive player for Tennessee last season. He finished with 13 carries for 67 yards. And, of course, you all will want to remember this name as well. Dylan Sampson finished 
with 13 carries, 52 yards, and not one, not two, but three rushing touchdowns. So the offense is essentially, and yes, I I know they are without a large number of pieces that they had last year, right, Hooker, well, Hooker, Hyatt, and Tillman in particular, but still got Brew McCoy, still got Ramel Keaton, still got Squirrel White. I know Squirrel White got a little dinged up at one point, but hopefully that is not going to be a big deal in the long term, but even with all of that being said, the offense has seemingly not missed a beat, but the defense was really what held it all together for Tennessee the majority of the game. They actually finished with four sacks. Those four sacks coming from, let's see, two from Tyler Barron and two from James Pierce Jr. And, you know, one of the things that I spent a little bit of time talking about on this show previously was who is going to step up and help alleviate the loss of Byron Young, especially at the edge rush position, maybe. Well, you would assume Tyler Barron would step into that role. He did it just a little bit to an extent last season, but maybe maybe James Pierce is going to be one of those guys that steps up in the absence of a Byron Young. Certainly, the Tennessee coaching staff and fan base is hoping that it plays out that way. But the the defense really impressed. I was really, really impressed with, with Tennessee's defense, especially early on in the game as the offense was starting to, really starting to get their groove going. And hopefully that is a trend that will continue, certainly, for the Tennessee Volunteers. The Tennessee football volunteers. Anyway, that's my take on the Vols last week. Let me get to another game that I did not... I didn't really see it being as much of a blowout as it ended up becoming, uh, and that is Florida State LSU. I mean, my gosh. Florida State... Just boat races LSU by a score of 45 to 24. Top 10 matchup. And I I did not see Florida State winning by, by that great of a margin. And when you see that, you begin to wonder why Florida State 
didn't get moved up to maybe number three in the AP poll. I'll get to that a little bit more in just a few minutes, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But going back to when these two teams played last year and the nail-biter that last year's season opener season opener was, of course, Florida State barely held on 24-23 to as a result of a blocked field goal, or extra point, I believe it was, which would have tied the game at 24, but of course, Florida State blocked the field goal and ended the game. So, big, big difference from twenty the 2022 version of this game as opposed to 2023. And this another very important takeaway from the 2023 version is that this was this was was apparently the Jordan Travis coming out party if you will because he absolutely balled out against LSU. He finished uh, 23 of 31 through the air with 342 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. He also added seven carries for 38 yards and a touchdown. And that's really just phenomenal, phenomenal performance phenomenal stat line for Mr. Jordan Travis. Could he be in the Heisman conversation? One of the trends, by the way, from this past weekend is that there's more than likely going to be quite a few quarterbacks that end up in the Heisman Trophy conversation, as there are every year. But I mean, just to rattle off some of those names, I guess you could put Jordan Travis up there. You could absolutely still put Caleb Williams up there. You could maybe even put Shador Sanders up there. We will, of course, have to wait and see how that plays out going back to Colorado. As I mentioned, their schedule does get way tougher down the stretch. But but anyway, let me get back to Florida State. This was a, by, by far a huge win for them and a very big statement win for Florida State getting that win in the top 10 over a team like LSU who people forget was actually in the SEC championship game a year ago. And so, this is definitely, even going back to last year's win over LSU, when they sort of skated by, I mentioned the blocked field goal, or blocked extra point earlier. Uh, This is 
night and day. Night and day when you're talking about 22 compared to 23. This was absolutely by far a statement win for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, sw- switching gears from statement wins, perhaps, to, to statement losses. And this last game that I'm going to get into from week one. What, what is going on with the Clemson Tigers? What is going on with, with Dabo and the bunch? Because the, the Dukies, the Dukies! And it's as crazy as it is for me to refer to them as the Dukies outside of basketball season. Uh, the, the Duke football team certainly showed up in a big way on Monday night against the Clemson Tigers, beating them 28-7. to And from... from Everything I've seen and heard about this game, I did not get, honestly, I did not get to watch that much of it for obvious reasons. Number number one, Spectrum slash ESPN. And number two, I was in the middle of yet another fantasy football draft, but didn't get to watch that much of the Duke-Clemson game, but what I did see and hear about it is that Clemson just did not look very good, okay? They just did not look very good at all, and made way too many mistakes, way more mistakes than you would expect the defending ACC champions to make. And Riley Leonard, of course, the quarterback from Duke, was, was not even really that spectacular in, in this game. From what I could see from the stat sheet, I mean, he did... Just enough, certainly, but he was, grand scheme of things, just okay. He really did did more damage on the ground than he did uh, through the air, certainly. He was 17, excuse me, he was 17 of 33 through the air for 175 passing yards. Eight carries, 98 rushing yards, and a touchdown. But that's really my, my main takeaway about Duke is just the, the athlete that Riley Leonard is. And the, I guess the question now, now becomes, could Riley Leonard possibly insert his name into the not not really just the Heisman conversation, but certainly one of those top tier quarterbacks that are that will be coming up in the upcoming NFL draft or drafts.
going to be a lot of craziness that has to be sorted out between now and then, obviously. But the big question about coming out out of this game, and the national media has sort of been hyping this up for few few days now, uh, is the dynasty done at Clemson, the vaunted Clemson dynasty that we've seen over the course of the last few years with them winning a couple of national titles in the college football playoff era. Uh, Is that over with? Based on Dabo's, here's my take on this, just based on Dabo Sweeney's sort of stubbornness when it comes to needing to adapt to the way things are in college football nowadays with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, certainly, and blah, 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 blah. As far as, far as Clemson being in, in the national title picture and the college football playoff picture... I th- I think that those days are are probably over. I'm not I'm not going to say that Clemson is no longer going to be competitive. I d- matter of fact, I do think they they will still be pretty competitive, but as far as them being out of the national title picture. Are they going to be out of that picture? It does certainly start to look that way. And you could argue that the Clemson Tigers probably hit hit their peak after their last national championship win with Guys like Trevor Lawrence and guys like Travis Etienne Jr. I've I've even heard Trevor Lawrence say on a a podcast that that Clemson team was, in, in Trevor Lawrence's opinion, the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest college football teams ever of all time. And they uh, they certainly did have quite a bit of talent that year, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But in my opinion, that's probably that's pro- that's probably when Clemson hit their peak, if you will. And of course, Dabo just has been struggling to adapt. He's certainly been no fan of the transfer portal and NIL and blah, blah, blah. He's sort of of the mindset of building his program the old school type of way, which works in some cases. But at at the end of the day, there's just so many Clemsons and Alabamas to go around. And so 
Could the Clemson dynasty be done? I think that in terms of championship competitiveness, as far as the college football playoff national championship goes, I do think that those days are seemingly over. But I digress. Uh, Let me get to just the one game very, very quickly. I'm sort of up against the clock here, but the really just the one game that I'll be keeping my eyes on on Saturday is I guess Texas and Alabama. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting to see if Texas shows a little bit more in week two than they did in week one against Rice. And certainly we we all know what Bama did to my my beloved alma mater, Middle Tennessee State, beat it, drumming them by a score of 56 to 7, I believe, which, which I guess as it pains me to say this as an alumnus is really no surprise. But I guess that's that's really the biggest game that I will be wa- watching in terms of ranked teams. And I guess I'll be keeping my eyes on Colorado as Coach Prime makes his home debut with his Buffaloes as they take on Matt Rule and Nebraska. But that's pretty much my takeaway on week two's games. Let me get to the AP poll very quickly as it relates to this week's AP Top 25. There's, there really weren't that many big surprises, although... And in my opinion, I probably would have put Florida State at number three and moved Alabama, or I should say kept Alabama at number four. Alabama, of course, moved up to number three following their dominating win against the vaunted MTSU Blue Raiders, but just based on the fact that Florida State was playing another top 10 team don't you don't you sort of wonder why Florida State is not at number 3 I, I do I do so that's that is a definitely a Definitely a, a shock to me, and I'm sure some other people as well. And the Vols, of course, move up to number nine, which, no surprise, based on their win against Virginia. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep the momentum going. It's going to be interesting to see if a lot of teams can keep 
their momentum going. Tennessee, I'm looking at Tennessee, Florida State, and Colorado in particular, who, as I mentioned before, comes in at number 22 this week in the Associated Press poll. Going to be another fun-filled weekend of college football, I'm sure, coming up. But with all, with all of that being said, guys, I've got to go ahead and hop out of here for today. I want to thank you all so much for watching and listening to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you soon.